Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the word of the Lord. Nope, we're still going. So Abram went. There we go. As the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you guys for your grace this morning. So the sermon series, Advent, just to kind of let everybody know what's going on, is a season of waiting. The word Advent means arrival. And so we're waiting through this season, along with believers all over the world, for the arrival of the Messiah. Now this looks back to Israel, who awaited for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for the arrival of the Messiah, who was born, uh, the baby Jesus, But today, we continue to wait for his second arrival. And so through this time, we we wait and we focus on Christ and we focus on the needs that we have and the way in which we, we are dependent on him to come and ultimately to do what we cannot do on our own. This season begins today on this Sunday and it goes up through Christmas Eve, technically uh, Christmas Eve is the end of the Advent season. And so if you have kids or you just want to enjoy some fun, uh, we have created Advent guides from our family ministry as well as videos that uh, you can follow along with. And so if you didn't pick one of those up beforehand, you can grab one today as well as the kits because there's crafts and stuff that goes all along with that. And so it's a lot of fun And I am excited for you all to get to experience that. Our family ministry, Beck and John and and Devin, we're all part of that team and uh, getting those done. And so I'm excited to share that with you. Now, the fullness of time, which is the title to this series, comes from a passage in Galatians 4, verse 4, where we read, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so the language in that verse of the fullness of time, that it was 
at just the right time that God had been working and he had been preparing in all of these different ways and all of these things that nobody could have known or considered, God was working all of these details together so that in the fullness of time, at just the right time, from God's perspective, he would send his son into the world. And so we're going to consider the subject of time. And again, we're going to be looking at the life of Abram and some specific narratives from his life. But we're, we're thinking about time. And recently we had a time change. And this, in my opinion, is the superior time change because you gain an hour versus losing an hour. Let me ask those of you in the room this morning, do you, is there anybody who likes daylight savings time? You think it's a great idea? Okay, a couple folks, appreciate that. Anybody who does not think we should continue daylight savings time? Okay, so yeah, usually you get more strong opinions that direction. Uh, so I do think it's interesting, I heard this this year, that people who live on the edges of the time zone live shorter lives. They actually die earlier. Do you know that? So if you live on the edges of the time zones, your life expectancy is less. And I, I can, uh, Dr. Founce, you may have to explain that science to me. I don't understand the science behind that or how that works, but, but somehow this actually takes place. And so uh, I, I will be interested to see if we just do just go away from it all together. But that's a, a way we experience time. Now, the whole world shifted in how it viewed time in 1370. Does anybody know what happened in 1370? So it was the first time a public clock was built in Germany. They built a public clock where people could see what time it was. That was a whole new concept. And with that invention, the whole way humanity saw time changed. Because now... The idea was beforehand, you just went along with the seasons, right? So winter, it's dark, longer, it's light. So people just sleep more, right? And in the summer, the days are, are longer, and so you sleep less. And you just kind of roll with the seasons and take it as it comes. But now, time moves from something out there that we have no control of to something that we can keep. You ever heard of? keeping time, right? That we can, through our watch or whatever it is that we have, this clock, there's an ability to to keep time. And and we're going to talk later uh, about the differences in how we view time from before that. But that is an idea that we live with, that we can keep time, that we can schedule time, that in some ways we can control time. Now, we, in truth, can't. We can't control time. And, in, and what we're coming to see more and more is that we actually don't even understand time the way that we used to think. So Newton, Isaac Newton, came up with Newton's laws. And everybody was convinced that these were truth. And, and we like Newton's laws because we like things to be neat and orderly, to know what we can expect. But along came Albert Einstein, and Newton had been king, and... Einstein knocked Newton off the throne because he showed that Newton's laws were not always true. And 
This is an interesting thing. So when you move faster, the the more you speed up towards the speed of light, the slower time it gets, right? And the more gravity, the more gravitational force that you're under, the slower time gets as well. And so we began realizing that time is not as static. It's not as constant. It's more malleable or bendable in some ways. And and there are a lot of smart people in the room who could probably talk more about this, but but we don't even understand time fully and how it works, but we certainly do not have the ability to control time. And this is where we, we see the massive difference between us and God. God sees what we can't see. He has a perspective that we don't have, and he even relates to time differently than we do. So Second Peter 3, 8, we read, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So from God's standpoint, God is spirit, right? He's, he's over, he's above, he's outside of time. What's the difference to God between one day or a thousand years? Nothing, right? It doesn't work sequentially. It's not all put together in the way that we experience it. And so we have to acknowledge and kind of humble ourselves to say, okay, we're not God. We don't understand. We cannot control time. And there, there are real implications of this. And this is what we're going to consider this morning. Because of this vast difference between humanity, people, us, and God, we have to see that first, God's path is best. God's path is best. So in the first verse of Genesis chapter 12, we read, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, does anyone know where Abram was from, where he was living before this? Ur, right? And uh, that's not like a stutter. <laughs> he actually lived in Ur of the Chaldeans. And so this is modern-day Iraq. And this is where he lived, and this is where his family lived. And God called him to leave Ur and to go out to where God would take him. And, and this is where we see the calling of God on Abram's life, and we see it tied with other individuals we see in scripture, as well as in our own lives, the calling of God is to sacrifice comfort. Now, Abram had all kinds of comfort zones that he had to leave. So when we think about comfort zones, we are people who like to be comfortable. And think about even clothing, right? Clothing is so much more comfortable now than it used to be. Everything is soft and, you know, it's the athleisure, right? And, and we're thankful. After Thanksgiving, we're thankful for those stretchy pants. You know, we're thankful for the little give uh, that we get in our, in our soft clothing. And that is, is something that is, is part of our culture. As a culture, and we know this, we are incredibly comfortable. Kids that are born, and myself included, have no idea how much comfort that we experience, but we like comfort in all kinds of different ways. And so there are comfort zones that we have. And when you're in a comfort zone, you don't want to leave it, 
right? You want to stay in that comfort zone. And I want us to consider, okay, if God calls us to be willing to sacrifice our comfort, what are these comfort zones that God may be calling us to sacrifice? And here's a few that you may relate to. First, a small group of friends that you've had for many years. It's like, these are my people and that's it. Places and environments where you feel totally secure. Ways of doing things or thinking that you have always had. Generosity that's limited by what you can afford, what, what allows you to stay in some kind of security. Responsibilities, finally, that can only make you look good. So stuff, doing stuff that you're good at, right? And, and all of these, can, can anyone say, hey, one of those I could identify with? Like one of those, that's a, I, I like that. I want to stay in that comfort zone. And, and naturally, all of us have that in, in, in some way or another. And so when God calls Abraham, there are all kinds of comfort zones that God was calling Abraham to leave and to be willing to sacrifice in order to do what God had called him. And I believe for us to have this openness to God's calling on our life, and it, it may not be as significant or exaggerated as, as what we see with Abraham, but just whatever the calling of God looks like, to, to be open to that, to receiving and following that call, we have to, we have to challenge a promise that we believe. And, and so hang with me for a second. God made a promise to Abram, and we're going to consider that promise and how Abram trusted that. But in order to trust the promise of God, Abraham had to reject another promise. And, and in many ways, we have to consider that, that we must not believe or reject the promise that staying comfortable is the best path. So there is a promise that you are believing that says staying comfortable is what's best for you. Now is, that's a, that's a, that's a promise. You're trusting. You can't see the future. You can't see all kinds of things. So you are choosing in this moment to trust a promise that staying comfortable is what's best for you. Is, just think about this, staying comfortable always what's best for us as humans. It's not, right? So we can go ahead and say that that's not an accurate promise to trust, at least at all times. And so I want us to consider the calling of God, the promise that God has, that his purposes, his callings, his desires for us as his people are worth rejecting this promise and being willing to sacrifice comfort. Because because fear, the promiser behind that other promise that would keep us in our comfort zones, that's fear. That's the voice of fear. And fear would always lead you down a certain path, and that is a path of comfort. And that would keep us from the calling of God. Secondly, not only is God's path what's best, God's power is unlimited. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Who is the actor in these verses, who who is the the active power, the active source that's doing the work in this verse? 
God, right? So God is the one who's responsible for all of the things that he has promised Abram will take place. And because of this, Abraham has to depend on God. He has to put himself in a place of dependence on God to keep his promise, to do what only he can. And this requires him to sacrifice his control. Uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews looks back at the life of Abram and it says, we read in Hebrews eleven eight by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He had to step out of his control. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what lay out there. He didn't know what he would face. He didn't know what it would be like. There are all kinds of things that he did not know, things that were outside of his control. And that's difficult because we, as creatures, not only do we like to be comfortable, as we saw earlier, but we also like to be in control, to have situations under our control. I, when we go on vacation or we go on a trip somewhere, I always overpack. Any other overpackers in the room? Thank you. All right. Appreciate that. Appreciate your willingness to make me feel better about myself. I always have like two weeks worth of stuff, you know, for like three days. And the reason is because I never know what I'm going to experience. I never know what it is that we're going to be doing or what's going to come up. And I want to have whatever I need just in case I might need it. Now, I, I typically never do, but it's just my way of trying to control situations. I want to I wanna be prepared. I want to keep things within my ability to control. And, and I want to avoid the discomfort that comes of being in a, in a context that's out of my control. Right? So I'm trying to, to keep things in my ability to control. Now, truthfully, let me, let me consider this because I think there's ways in which all of us experience this. Are you able to control or to, to prepare for everything that you might face? Are you able to be prepared for every situation in life that you might face? No way. So that's an illusion. The idea that we could keep this in our control, we could be prepared for whatever it is, that is an illusion. It's, it's not true. And often that is actually that we do this to try to avoid anxiety and insecurity, but actually this way of living and viewing the world often creates it. It often makes us anxious. Why? Because if it really is up to us, if it really all depends on us, that's a lot of weight on our shoulders, right? And, and here's the deal. We know ourselves. We know our failures. We know our past. We know our, our inabilities. And so what we're doing in this is we are we are sacrificing the security that comes from placing our trust in God for the much less stable self-reliance. You see that? We're, we're trading this, this security that comes from depending on God to, to what is really insecure, which is, which is self-reliance and self-dependence. And so also with that, has, has anybody had a time in their life when they were complete, they, you really had to depend on God fully. Like you were in a situation that you, maybe it was money, 
and there was something that you could not pay for. It was like, this needs to happen. I don't have the money. Or it could be any number of things. But you knew there was a need that you had that was desperate and, and you could not provide for that need. And you really, how do, how do your prayers change in those situations? And have you ever had a time like that when God came through? Amen, right? And I would love to hear all of those stories. Where, and, and that experience of, of being in a place that's out of your control, where you're totally dependent on God, and seeing him come through and provide, that grows faith. Right, That grows us. That grows our trust in God. That grows our experience of, of walking with him. And, and if, we, if, if we always did things that were in our comfort zone, in our control, we wouldn't experience that. We wouldn't experience what the better things in some ways that God has for us. When we're willing to step outside of our control and actually truly depend on him. So don't believe the, the promise that staying in control is the best path. That's a promise. And again, fear would make that promise to you. But we just said, we've had these experiences that were better, right? Outside of our control. So don't believe the promise that staying in control is the best path for you. Third and finally, God's promises are trustworthy. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So pause. God blessing Abraham would ultimately bless who? And everyone. And that would happen through the coming of Christ. Ultimately, Christ, the descendant of Abraham, would, through his life, his death, his resurrection, would lead to the blessing of all people, of all nations. That's why we're here today. That would be the fulfillment of God's call and this promise that Abraham made. So, Verse four, so Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. And so they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But Abraham, how old was he? 75, right? Now I'm not saying that if you're 75, you're old necessarily. I'm just saying that that it's, not like it's it's harder later in life, right? To step out, it's you know whatever. And so Abraham believed God was able to keep His promise, and and stepped out, you know, in in spite of all of the the, the difficulties, and and God ultimately provided. He 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 kept His promise. And, and this is where verse seven, so we see step one, which is God making these promises to Abraham and Abraham stepping out in faith, right? Leaving everything, a new scene. So if we were in a movie or a play, it would be like closed scene, new scene, new place in verse seven, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now Abram took one step of faith and then the Lord appeared to him. And this is how it works, one step at a time. This is how this is how we follow the calling of God. We don't see all that's out there. One step 
And then God provided more clarity, right? And he gave him more instruction along the way. But could Abram have prepared for God to appear to him? Is there any way he could have known? Yeah, God's going to prepare, going to appear to me out here in the future, however long this is. No, he couldn't have, right? That was total. he didn't know it was going to happen and he couldn't prepare for it. And this is where we have to acknowledge God just did it. He just appeared right there in a new place and said, this place will be a place where your descendants are going to be. And, and, and he continued to keep and to, to, to make really his promises. But this is, this is the difference when we think about time and this experience. This is the difference between two kinds of time. And in the Greek language, in the Greek culture, they understood that one word was not enough for time. So in your New Testament, in the Greek, there are two words for time. One is chronos, and the other is kairos. So chronos time, we have this, is time as a measurable resource. So the watch, your iPhone, your calendar, it all runs on chronos. These are, these are minutes, these are seconds, right? This is uh, the, the o'clock all of that is chronos time. And this is how we live, especially in our day and age. We have an appointment, you know, tomorrow you could probably walk me through what, are, what you're doing at what time in this place. And it's all, you know, mapped out. That's chronos time. Time is a measurable resource. But kairos is an appointed time, season, or moment. This is, this is not something that you can keep in your watch or in your calendar. This is God appointing certain times. Did you plan on, you know, the day that you met your spouse, that you were going to fall in love? Right? Did you have all that mapped out? So there are these experiences, and we'll, we'll move towards this, but that are, they, they just happen. These are appointed opportunities. They're appointed times. There are appointed moments that are completely outside of our control. And God appearing to Abraham, both times really, but that was Kairos time. That was unplanned for. It just happened. And, and God appeared and spoke and directed him. And, and this is where if, if Kairos or if Kronos time was, so on the logo for Advent, if you have your Advent guides, we have uh, an hourglass. And in an hourglass, you have these like sand grains, right, that fall through. If that was chronos, kairos is opportunities that are passing by, right? It's opportunities that come. And, and, I, and I, I believe that we have to be willing to sacrifice chronos for kairos. And, and let me give you an example to kind of demonstrate this. A couple weeks ago now, uh, I got a uh, text message from Jake Colvin. So his wife, Angie, young lady, that, that young mom, we've prayed for her here at Fairview Friends. A lot of our folks, we prayed for healing. She had cancer and, and that was not how things went. And Jake texted me that he felt like this was probably the last day she was going to have consciousness. And I had stuff that I needed to do. And she was in Murfreesboro 
at a hospice. And so I called Jill and I said, what should I do? And she said, go. (laughs) And I thank God for that. I thank God for her sensitivity to Kairos because I got to be with her. I got to pray with her in those final moments that her funeral will be tomorrow. She passed away. And I think if I had stayed in the mode of Kronos, I would have missed that Kairos opportunity of God. And I think for us, as we consider Advent, the season that's ahead, we're so likely to stay in Kronos, where we have our schedule, we have stuff that needs to be done. December's crazy, right? Right now, we feel, you know, there's stuff we got to do. There's places we got to go. But let me ask you, if your mind is filled with what has to happen next, are you able to be open to what God's calling you to do in this moment? Are you able to be present in this moment and aware what God's doing, what he's inviting you into? And so first of all, I want to challenge us to be open to what God would do, uh, the prepare him room, right? So we think about the Christmas song, preparing, we're preparing room in our own hearts. Uh, The psalmist says, if today you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts, right? So there's this openness to what God's doing. But I want to say another, another thing that I want to, because I feel like in a conversation I had this morning, this whole window was opened up. I think there's another way in which we need to, to have this openness. And that is, so Thanksgiving this last week is, is a time with family. Some of you all didn't have family members who you got to be with. Some of you have family situations and people that are not the way you would have liked them to be. The, the situation is not how you would have planned it. And the tendency is to fill our minds with how this should go. This, this is how God should handle this. This is how this person should respond. This is how things should be. And our brains are filled with that, right? And consumed with that. And what does that keep us from? seeing what God is doing right now. So let me ask, can God do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime? He can. And many of us in this room could, ex- could, could share experiences of that. God can do more in a Kairos moment than you can do in a Kronos lifetime. But what he's doing right now is something that you're called to be open to. These little things that you never would have planned, ways in which he's calling you to step in that you never would have thought of, of any purpose of. And so, and so the way that we do this, the way that we can, can actually live with this Kairos openness rather than this Kronos, you know, filling is through trusting the promises of God. Abraham trusted the promises of God. And so he was not self-dependent. He wasn't constantly having to scrape and to strive and to make everything work his way. 
he was able to trust in God. And, and the same is true for us. That if we are able, the only way that we're going to have this ability is if we actually trust the promises of God. We actually trust that God is able to run the show. And so I want to give us three passages just, just in closing. In the band, you guys can come up to consider that if we, if we live with this as our reality, these promises of God, we trust in them, believe that they're true, it will enable us to, to be open to these opportunities that God presents us with, the voice of his calling. Second uh, Peter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. You know, why don't you all go ahead and stand and I'm just gonna have you recite these with me just because I think that can be helpful. These are, these are true promises that God has given us through his word. Second Corinthians 9, 8. Can you recite it with me? And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Is that true? All right, we trust in that. Ephesians 2, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. When did God prepare those good works? It's outside of time, ahead of time. And here's the deal. He's inviting you to hear his voice, to follow his leading, to walk in those good works that he's prepared for you. He prepared them before time. And so in this season of Advent. We're, we're waiting, we're preparing room. We're open to the good works that God has for us to do, that he's prepared for us to do. And that comes through trusting, just as Abram did, his promises. Father, we thank you that you are the God who is over time, outside of time, the God who has prepared good works for us to do. You're the God who's in control. And so we can trust you. And, and Father, I, I pray right now for the person who is just filled with anxiety and fear over, over, over something, some specific thing happening at a certain time in a certain way. Right now, there's someone who's just, something has to happen at a certain time in a certain way. But God, would you release them from that? That chronos and give them openness to you, your kairos, your timing, your power, your ability. Lord, would you, where our days are filled with thinking, okay, this is what we are going to do in this day. Would you empower us with the faith, with the faith to surrender that to you, God, what you have for this day, I surrender that. Lord, we be people who have that openness, that surrender to your calling and your purpose. We thank you that in the fullness of time, you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, to rise from the dead, to give us new and eternal life in him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.